Good evening, friends. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. Um, was, is summer going to get here at any point? What's, what's happening here with this global warming making it so cold out there? Yeah, I don't know. We, um, uh, uh, I went camping mm-hmm. this past weekend. I have questions. With, it, um, pictures looked fun, but I also... I didn't go because I thought it was going to be... Well, I had Sid here, but I thought it was going to also be miserable. I mean, it wasn't miserable. We uh, imbibed a little too much whiskey. Mm, and uh, That helps. Slept in, slept in tents in the cold. It was not unbearably cold. Like, it was warmer than um, last fall when uh, Trotsky and Aaron and I went camping. Right, I remember that. Uh, backpacking and, and camping. Um, but it was cold. The The bummer of it was it rained a fair bit especially Mm -hmm, sunday mm -hmm. like i think we would have hung out longer on sunday except it looked like rain was coming and then as we were packing stuff up it did rain we actually got a little bit of hail so it was. oh yeah i saw pictures from that right it's time to time to go um so so was it a good time there like tell me about what, what you guys did out there you went out to our buddy brad's property right yeah, yeah, it's about a, a little less than an hour for me, but about an hour and a half from Bloomington. Um, and it was nice. I mean, like I said, the weather could have been nicer, but it was it was comfortable enough. I would rather it be a little cold than be hot, right? Cause you That's can't, true. That's uh, very true. You, you can't air condition a tent. Um, and we only played one game before, I think, then... We, we just played in the fire and then <laughs> um, uh, made made food. Zahn made a delicious ramen for us. Awesome. Um, that was pretty cool. We played a game called Castles of Burgundy. Okay. Uh, did, you, did you, I think they, they uh, Trusky brought this for the first time to the bar Thursday. I was not able to be there. Um, I don't know if you were there. Hmm, I did not Sounds play. like not. Um, this is a roll and write um, sort of, not really area control, um, but you have a map of hexes in different colors, and you're trying to complete um, adjacent sections of colors. Wait, give us a term real quick before you continue on. Roll and write. Okay. Um Roll and write is a genre of what I would maybe describe as Yahtzee-like games, um, where you roll ex- and then write something, and then and then write something. I think the main differentiator between um, uh, the roll and write genre and Yahtzee is that there's usually only one roll. Right, it's not the three rolls thing like um, uh, King of Tokyo. And everyone plays the same dice, right? So you take turns rolling, but everybody decides what to do with the same with the same numbers. Okay. Um, that, there okay. are a decent amount of games like this, like um, uh, uh, Space Space does that. Space Space, but right. the um, the thing that roll and rights have is you are trying to accomplish something on a board with a dry erase marker. Um, I have, I own two of these. Uh, one is from, uh, all plays with you, which used to be called board game tables. 
um, called On Tour, where you have a map of cities and you're touring your band around. And there are rules about um, like where you can put the numbers based on adjacent numbers. I forget if it's like they have to be one higher or lower, or maybe there's a math thing. I don't remember. Okay. Um, and another one called Ink. Uh, ink and Gold? No, it's <laughs> Ink with a K. Okay. Um, Railroad Ink, where the dice are not standard dice. They're little road and train track symbols. And you have to, like, connect symbols on the board across. It's just squares. You you can only connect rails to rails and roads to roads. And there are different angles and turns. Um, that's also similar to something that I'm not uh, thinking of right now. But... Castles of Burgundy has the dice. There are um, two normal dice and two dice with colors, and then a third dice with a with a timer, little hourglass. Yeah. And so you it counts in rounds, and you pick a color and a number to write that number on your board on a hex of that color, and then when you complete a contiguous section of the same color. Sometimes that's only one hex, and there are a couple that are as many as four of the same color. Okay. When you fill in all the same color, you score points based on what round it is. It's like the Gen Con auction where, um, or store where if you do it in the first round, it's worth a lot of points. In the second round, it's worth a decent amount of points, and then the third is the fewest. Okay. Um, and... Some of the hexes, some of the different colors have rules for um, the numbers. There are three colors that the number has to be one of the two in a set. Like it has to be a one or a two, a three or four, or a five or a six okay. for those three colors. And then there's a color where there has to be a, another hex in that um, color group that is, or there has to be another hex touching it that's the same number. Um, and there's one where it has to be different. Um, and I feel like there's one more, I don't remember, but, um, then when you, when you do that, when you complete one of those sections, you get a charge of, of the ability that that color has. Okay. And that's on the board too. You have little circles you fill in like a, like a, um, SAT <laughs> and, um, or a, you know, any standardized test. Thing. A Scantron thing, yeah. Um, and then once per turn, you can use one of those powers to do something. You can One of them lets you change the number of a die. Uh, one of them lets you change the color. One lets you take a second action, but there are rules for the second. You can't do the same action twice. You have to use a different combination of, of the four dice. Because there are four, and you only use two of them. Okay. Right? Um. And so it's not bad. I'm not a huge fan of the roll and write genre. It, it, I've played several that feel like the theme is kind of abstract or runs contrary to what I, like I'll assume that the mechanics work a certain way based on the theme and it'll be the, the opposite of that in a way that just my brain can't accept. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you're all using the same, dice rolls makes it more frustrating when you lose to me just a weird sort of mental yeah uh block um it's 
it's a game that's kind of heavy on the initial explanation. Um, but then once you get into it, it seems to play okay, but it's a, it's a lot of, um, it is a lot of little quirky things that you don't know. Like it's definitely one of those games where the first time you play it, you're probably going to do something wrong. Um, and you have to play a first game to get all the things. And hopefully yeah. somebody, at least one person playing with you knows all the things. So you even, um, get to that point. I think they, when they played, um, last week did something wrong. So then when we played, we're like, Oh, don't forget. You have to do this, this way. You can't, uh, I, it was something like fundamental, like you can't, um, you, the, the hexes you fill in have to be touching one of your other ones, right? You start and you spread out. You can't write just anywhere. Oh, okay. Um, which I was like, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> right. Um, but it was fun. H- how, not, how long does the game, uh, does a game last usually? Um, so each round, I want to say each round has 10 little round, uh, indicators okay and everybody's board has those right so if you forget like the first thing you're supposed to do is fill in a thing for the for the dice with the hourglasses on it because there's one color that has a special power you spend it to get charges of the other powers and you only get that when the timer flips up on the one face that is blue and has two hourglasses so that's good for you when that happens if you have charges of that blue power but it advances the round tracker by two. Um, okay. And so there are three rounds with 10 rounds. So at most, you're going to roll the dice 30 times. Okay. So, you know. But, but how, how, how long that, does that take? Like, how, because how, you can say, like, roll the dice 30 times, but is there a lot of decision in each one? Or is it like you roll, then you go, then you roll, then you go, then you roll, then you go? I get, it, the, the reason I'm not, asking is because. You mentioned like you play it wrong the first time, then you got to play it right. Sometimes that's really that's totally forgivable because you know a game takes fifteen minutes to play, whereas another one takes three hours to play. And you're like, had I known that, we could play it again two or three more times, and I'll finally get it. You know what I mean? Right. So, um, so the dice get rolled, and you pick one combination, and you maybe use powers, but you can only use one power. Right, so there's no like I'm gonna do this and then this and then this and then I can fill in this one, fill in this one over here. That gives me this power, and I can use that to do that. Like, it's only it's just one, right? Like you, at most, you're gonna use the power that lets you write two numbers. Yeah, and then you know if you score, you have to write that score in your you have to write that number in your score column and fill in the charge where you have a power. Like it's still just a couple things. Like if you're paying attention, like you're you doing that should take you 30 seconds yeah and then maybe you pass the dice or one person just rolls every time and you roll a dice again um and everybody plays at the same time so i think with more players it shouldn't matter like the scale um i don't think the scale goes up in time if there are more players it really just depends on whether you have that one person who's really stumped and like they can't do anything and then just sit there trying to figure out how to get blood from a stone (laughs) right um but i think probably like somewhere in the half hour range right like if if each turn takes a minute that's a half hour 
sure. right? And that's that's probably high. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't remember how long it took us, but I, I don't think it would take very long at all. Oh, that's good. So so you can you can ha- you know do that. Oh, we messed it up. Play it again, type thing. Quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and uh, that, that's one thing I I love about like camping and stuff is that you can just chill out and relax, and everybody's kind of like a captive audience type thing. And then if you get too tired, you just kind of go into your little tent and or, or stare at the fire for a while. Um, mm-hmm. the, <laughs> so I, I was sad that that I couldn't make it. I, I'm at the part where I'm hanging out with Sid a lot here before she goes to her mom's, and uh, right. so I'm spending more time there, but. I definitely would have hopped onto that one, that that uh, that camping trip. But I don't know. It the wet and the rain also deters me. But I also agree with you on, you know, there's a trade off there that you you go when it's cold out and you don't have bugs because bugs is such a huge detractor to camping. Yeah, right. You can you can have all the fun you want, but if you're just getting swatting them off of you, the mosquitoes constantly and um, swinging gnats away your whole time, it's just no fun. At all, and you can't you can't cool down no matter how much fan you have. That's no fun. Um, but but it's a little easier to warm up somewhat if you're in a, a cooler time with a ton of blankets or something. Although you guys are out there with your, I know you guys are uh, several of our buddies, including you, who have super camping gear. So you're like lightweight kind of camping. How does yeah? How does that work with like blankets and things? You have this the those tin foil blankets that I always see. No, um, I think the other guys had some, had some strong, like there's, there's really good material now they make stuff out of. I actually have just a blanket instead of a sleeping bag that rolls up. What would, what would I compare it to? Cause when I go camping, I take every pillow comforter blanket thing that I can have. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> well, it was funny. The, um, the site, the lot, is about a quarter mile off the road, and the track to get there is really rough. Yeah. With a lot of big gravel and mud ruts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I I sort of packed thinking that we would backpack in. Yeah. Um, but our buddy Pat has a truck, an F-150. Yep. And he looked at my vehicle and was like, you should be able to make it up there, no problem. Um, which I did. I have a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Right. And, um, so I drove up there and I was like, man, if I had known I was going to pull my car up here, I would have packed differently. Oh, there's things I would have brought that I didn't bring. Right. Um, that's, the, that's another reason I thought major, about like, there, yeah. like I don't have, I don't have big camping stuff in my RV because I don't have a lot of storage. Like I don't carry a big tent and a big sleeping bag, um, because I just don't have a need for it. I think if, if we hadn't planned the backpacking trip last fall, I would have put my, uh, plastic tote with all my backpacking stuff in my storage unit hmm. because I don't really get an opportunity to use it on the road. Now I might yeah. at some point, but I also have a dog with me, which makes it. I mean, you, you, your, your life is camping. <laughs> You've got a house that rolls. Sort of, it. sort of. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah. No, why, why step back? Why, why if that would be so weird to me. It kind of blows my head of, of a, a, a looping thing where you put camping gear inside of a camper is, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I get it. Right. 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 Because I'm not I'm not really camping. I'm just living in an RV. But but you're you're out in the, the, the wilderness. Uh, not not quite the wilderness like you guys were there, but um Right. So you're in the woods with trees around you and, and living things. Right. 
Yeah. Where, where we all try to kill all the living things around us in, in normal household <laughs> times. We we did have a pretty rough time with bugs the first night. Yeah. Um, we were only there one night. But the next morning, uh, the bugs weren't bad at all. I think it got cold enough and there was enough rain. They were like, hey, with that, that, I'm out. I'm going to go back to bed. Those bugs were. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you guys come out here for us? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that sounds – you mentioned that we, we did – you did some camping. We also did – we went to the drive-in this weekend because you're in, in the area. Mm-hmm. We, we – you're you're more involved in the things that are going on, so it's nice, kind of nice to to have you Dennis pop right. up randomly at a game night or things. It's nice. Uh, and you were at the the drive-in night we had, um, and we watched D and D, which we've already talked about. And yep. is, is it Mario Brothers or is it Super Mario Brothers? It's Super Mario Brothers, right? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I, I've been saying Super Mario Brothers, but. Um, that that movie, the, 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 Nintendo the movie. Super Mario Bros. movie. Bros. It's even Bros. Right, not Brothers. It's B R O S. Period. Right. And it's funny the the IMDb page has all red links. Why is that? For the red Mario. Oh, funny. I assume funny. Yeah. Um. So this this movie has made officially now at the time of this recording a billion dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. is it a? It, was it a, a billion? T- uh, billion dollar fun enjoyment time that you had this last this watching that movie i mean it was fine your your statement about mm-hmm. it uh it being very much aimed at kids was accurate mm-hmm. with of course the uh not mandatory but the customary level of um references and and the ways that we say the filmmakers acknowledged that there are p- possibly going to be adults in the room yeah uh, uh parents and whatnot yeah. all of the um all the the needle drops the mm-hmm. the you know licensed music that was dropped into the song yeah um were i think almost all 80s music 80s or 90s right um, yeah. yeah the ones i remember like uh i need a hero mm-hmm. uh who is that tina turner sure um I'm agreeing, not that I or, know, but I'm agreeing. <laughs> or maybe, maybe Bonnie Tyler. I forget. And uh, and a take on me by Aha. Right. Um, there was at least one other one that's not coming to me now. But I'm like, oh yeah, of course they're doing this. Well, they. they it's um, not just parents too. It's also like they know that people who played these games when they were originally out uh, are. That's when the music they were listening to then, right? You know. Right, right. It's like in um, in Tron Legacy when they yes. go to the arcade and it's playing uh, Journey separate ways. Yes, right. Um, yeah. It's just it's good it's call back there, Dennis. Well, well of, done of the time that the original game and and in the content of the film itself, there's you know several times where they do goofy platforming stuff um, that is you know meant to uh, harken back to the original game with the steps and the mm-hmm. flag, you know, spinning down the flagpole. Um, there, there was a scene at the beginning when he's going through Brooklyn or something, they're running to mm-hmm. a job. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, I would play that Mario game. You know, it's, they're, they're intentionally doing a side scrolling shot um, where he's running, running across the construction zone or something. I'm like, Oh, that's right. That looks really nice. And <laughs> for, a, for a cartoon Mario game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how? Okay, can we, I guess we can go to spoilers for this, right? Yes. Yeah, 
we can do spoilers for this. Sure. Okay. I'm going to hit the bell. We're going to talk about the Super Mario Brothers movie um, in the, the story in details with spoilers. So if you have not seen it and don't get spoiled, then jump ahead. So I'll say something first before I ask you questions. One, I wanted to say I, I really liked two things the most of the entire movie, and they happened in the first, like, five, ten minutes. The uh, <laughs> the appearance of Jumpman, which I, I really loved that they put in there, the original Mario. Oh, right, Which right, was, yeah. I think, Donkey Kong, and um, he was called Jumpman. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. And um, the they play the Super Mario Brothers Super Show song for their commercial that they make. Right. From, from the, you know, old... Was it eighties TV show or something? TV show eighties, maybe nineties. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this is this that is so excellent." Th- those two things, right off the bat, made me made me smile and set me up for a like, okay, this this is fun. They they they're with me here on, on this. Right. Um, so th- that was that was all excellent. And Spike, I think, was also a character in there. Um, so what did you think of the? St- let's do story first. They're, they're, it's not like a Mario game. It's its own story. Right, right. Um, I mean, it was a kid's movie story. Sure, right? There were right, there's not like, a lot to it, right? Like, very uh, basic, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Just, you know, you're not getting war and peace. I don't think anybody expected that. Yeah, there's, there's not a lot um, of character development happening here, people. No, I would say um, less uh, just to try and compare apples to apples here. I I think there was less story, like story story in this than there was in the Lego movie. Oh, for sure. 100%. Yeah. And, and um, that, like there was definitely character development in that. Again, I don't want to say character development matters and you don't have to have to have it. But there was... That just this movie didn't have, it just had a goal of rescue the Mushroom Kingdom and fight Bowser. Right. right? That that's yeah. I guess the one story would be recruit the Monkey Army or the Kong Army. The Kong Army. Yeah. Right. But but really, it was just kind of a one track. Even from the very beginning of of uh, you know, it just throws you right in there, and then within I don't know what ten minutes, you're already in the Mushroom Kingdom, which is good. I'm glad they didn't spend a ton of time. Um, yeah, yeah, and even the ending of it that like his maybe his parents are proud of him or them, I guess, but yeah, and there's a little bit of um there's a little bit of story with Luigi, right, feeling or both of them like like some kind of strain in their relationship that gets resolved by the end right but but it's nothing's heavy at all or important, mm-hmm. I guess right, so it's just it's just little vignettes of of callbacks for nostalgia reasons, right? Um, for the most part, yeah. Yeah, that, that you're you're seeing Mario do the like the was it the little test course he goes on uh, to learn how to do all the jumping and stuff. Yeah, his like training montage, yeah. sort of. I'm actually really surprised they don't they haven't released a Mario movie game. They used to do that stuff back in the 80s and 90s when they'd have a like Mortal Kombat the movie or Street Fighter the movie games to try to profit off of it. Because hmm. I can see them yeah, I don't know. making this a Mario game with the story being this story and 
you know, there's a Mario Kart level and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Fight you at one level, you have to do a Smash Brothers thing against Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong, yeah. That was Smash Brothers, right? That's what they were playing on that? That that was my it wasn't it was <laughs> I almost said it wasn't Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> um it wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't super, over yeah. It wasn't as overt as the like original platforming with the castle or the Mario Kart stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it must have been. The only thing they didn't do was again pan the camera out to a 2D view of that fight with the platforms. Like it all stayed in 3D with normal yes. cameras. Right. Um, but yeah, that was my. There, there was only one time I think assumption. where they did a, the, the 2D side scroll platform thing and that was that one i talked about at the beginning when just there at the beginning yeah yeah. the other stuff was very very 3d ish um i liked that i mean it wasn't big or there's not a lot of this in in this movie by the way that wowed me i'll say that first off and not not that it's bad anyway i actually enjoyed it i it's it's weird that i'm struggling to justify my my critiques of it but um it's it's just a i i still call it a mid movie you know it's just okay um, I would mm-hmm. even say that it's just a little bit, I'd say half a point out of scale of 10, better than Sonic 1. Because uh, Sonic 1 was pretty good, surprisingly good. Um, sure. But uh, that doesn't make it bad in any way. Uh, but um, I, I, what I enjoyed about it was the, the little, all the, the little references and the, and the callbacks and, and stuff like that um, to things. Th- throughout like like you said they um fighting um mario kart stuff or um the mm-hmm. blue shell you know obviously everyone mm-hmm. in the world has right. played mario they know what these things are they don't have to yeah qualify this um but yeah i i don't know it, it, there wasn't it was fun and i had fun but and i watched this is the second time i watched it because we watched it first but we only the reason i watched it twice was because of friends otherwise i this isn't a movie that i would go watch over and over again sure um it just wasn't that exciting although watching D the second time now that was that was even more fun than the first time i think because i kind of know yeah know all the yeah bits. i think so just just sort of it's like anytime you rewatch a movie like i knew the jokes coming before they happened right um and so i could anticipate those especially like the jonathan jokes at the beginning mm-hmm. which were pretty good J- jonathan or, or the yeah and, and it's probably because they're good like because you know that they're good with the brad cooper stuff um mm-hmm. you know when, yeah. when that happens you're like oh this is that bit and you can enjoy it a little bit more because you know it's happening right um, but yeah I, I i also enjoyed mario but not you know my top 10 it's not even my top 10 animated movies of all time. Although it'll probably end up being one of the top grossing movie animated movies of all time. Sure. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Cause it's a brand. Gotcha brand. And they're going to make, it's a brand and it, and it wasn't bad. Right. Yeah. Like I think the, again, even with the few wins we've had in the past four or five years, three, four years, whatever. Um, I think the bar for video game adaptations is still really low. And the last Mario movie we got is a horrible train wreck. So, you know, Oh, again, the bars. L- l- let me tell you, I'm, I'm a little nervous at this topic right here because, 
you and I have kind of mentioned that in the last six months or so, especially as it, we talk about like The Last of Us, that we can see, we've said a lot how we can see video game movies are finally, you can see them as actual films or uh, shows or whatever it might be. Um, and they, sure. they can be done well type stuff. So maybe hopefully that we can actually start seeing movies be put out that are, that are based on video games that aren't utter trash. Um, mm-hmm. yet now I read on my, on my feed, my daily feed about movies and stuff that ever, that Hollywood is rushing to put out a ton of crap IPs with video games now. Um, Oh, of course. So, you know, we're going to get, what did, uh, somebody on one of my discords talked about this. What did they say? We've already gotten Emoji and Angry Birds. Ugh. Oh, ca- Candy Crush, I think, was their prediction. Yeah, well, they're, they're Candy, doing another... Candy Crush of the movie. They're doing another Mortal Kombat, which I'm a Mortal Kombat fanatic, and I still think that this mm-hmm. latest one was enough. Right, like, just stop there, right? Yeah, um, it was It was very, like, we watched that in our movie, you know, weekly movies thing we did during lockdowns and for a while afterward. Um it started out really strong, mm-hmm. I felt like, and then just became a like Ready Player One esque reference bonanza. Reference bonanza. Didn't work. Well for, said. Yes. Well said. Didn't work for me because I never owned a Genesis. I played MK a handful of times, and that's it. Like I never, got, you know, played any Wait, spinoffs. I got, I, got, I got to interject. It was also on Super Nintendo, so just. Not just Genesis. I didn't have one of those either. (laughs) In all the conversations we've had about my uh, unique, although I think everyone's is unique, my unique history of which gaming consoles I owned, (laughs) um, we went straight from the the NES to the PlayStation One and skipped everything in between. Sure. Um, Well, the 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 um, yeah, the Mortal Kombat one was. Yeah, you're right. Just full of references type stuff, and it felt by by the midway by the midway point, you're you're not that we're reviewing this movie, but you're you're hitting references. All you're doing, you're just saying, oh, he's doing this because he's got to have his arms off, or he's doing this because oh, it's that character that I wanted to see, and they're, now they're starting to cram guys in to get their powers. And you're like, none of this makes a lot of story sense, and now we're just feeding. It's like the yeah, script I, writers I, were started with a good thought, and then they just got game fanboy excited halfway right into the script. Yeah, I th- I think at the time I said it felt like the the writers the the filmmakers didn't think they were going to get another movie. Yeah, and so they wanted to get every character reference. You know, not every reference, but like get every character on screen. Yeah. Because this is their one chance, well, which which that's that's a problem, right? Like, that you you can't, you shouldn't do that. You should just. I know but, it's hard. Right, it's hard like, not to. But right, your your goal should be to make a. If, if your goal is not to tell a good story, which is not every movie's goal, yeah. right? Like it's certainly not the goal of most holiday movies, Hallmark and and Lifetime holiday movies. But your you know your goal should be to make a good or entertaining movie. And if you're, and if it, you know, if your goal is just to get characters on screen, cause it's your one chance, like that's, if it's not in service of making a good movie, that's misguided. Yeah. And, right? and, and it's, this it's is wrong, not just video games. Goal. It's for everything too. Like when you talk about Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings movies did, you take that, that, that those books and you say, this is so sorry, so much, Right. There's so much material. Yeah. And how can we fit it all in? What they do is they add they make 
three movies that are four and a half hours each. Like that's how you, mm-hmm. you can do it that way. Or you make one movie and you just accept that you're only going to be able to tell one little part of this grand story and, and hope that that does well, that that's good enough, right? That that's, that that will, not that you want to make multiples, but that you try to focus in a Mortal Kombat situation, you focus on a Sub-Zero and Scorpion story and that's it. You don't try to put every other character in the screen on there. Um, and, and that's what you're right. That's people tend to do is they get like, Oh, this is my last one. I got to, I have to show Cabal on screen cause he's my favorite character. I got to show Jax on screen cause of the, you know, like, well, you're, you just lost the, the story and now you're making a movie for fans. Um, so rolling it back a little bit. Um, I, they're, they're, they're also working on a, a street fighter movie. And I'm like, Oh man, see, you're just, now you're just making video. You're, you're picking popular video game names and Hollywood is, and trying to like, how can we make a movie out of that? You know, hmm. instead of what is a, uh, so many out of the hundreds of millions of video games out there that have great stories and make those into movies. They're just like, what's the big IP? I mean, I can't blame him either because Mario has one of the worst stories or most thinnest stories of all games, and it made a billion dollars, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very old game. It's from a time when games didn't need a story. Yeah, and and you know what? It made a billion dollars. So that just tells Hollywood you don't really need a story, which is sad. And then we'll get flooded with a crappy video game. Oh, you mean the movie? I thought you were talking about the sorry, game. Sorry, sorry. Like, no, no, yeah, no, the movie. The, yeah. The the original game has almost no story because it didn't need a story. Like I mean, the, even the most recent was, ones it, don't have a real story. They're just It was enough to see like a little guy walking and jumping and and fighting like it was a a novelty, like you know, just a completely a completely new thing. Right. Um and things like Sonic Sonic took took the opposite. Sonic Took a took a a game that had zero story or sorry one percent of a story to it and then made a story mm-hmm. out of it and that's I think that's a rarity that worked obviously Sonic Two didn't work as well um, but you know that's that's the rarity and it just it worries me that Hollywood's going to go the other way with these these movies and say that like let's just put every single thing we can out there like you said Angry Birds or etc for for stuff and start flooding trying to do the, the the superhero thing and start flooding the market with video game shows and movies and do the star, have the star Wars effect where you just put too much out and nobody cares anymore. And nobody wants to make, you know, good films. Um, Cause there's, there are a lot of, there are a lot of good IPs to mine. Even like a mortal Kombat has great story, but just, I don't know. I just want Hollywood to take a pot, take a beat and have a little bit longer vision than, what they have, but I know it's all bottom line. Oh, okay. So, anyway, uh, would you give thumbs up to Mario? I <laughs> I would give up thumbs up to Mario, and I would say I would recommend it to anyone with kids. Yeah, yeah. If if you're, uh, you know, if you were if you played, not if you played, because I feel like everyone in the world under has, fifty but... played. Um, you know, if you if you know or like that probably like if you just played original mario and have not played a mario game since and are not much of a gamer then probably and and don't have any kids right <laughs> yeah yeah um i don't have any kids then right? then, pro- then probably not but you know it's a good fine kids movie um 
and you know has stuff to be entertained by for parents and adults in the room as i said earlier and let me tell Uh, you the story of mario has not changed much in like 50 years right like it's you're still playing toad princess mario luigi jumping on platforms and hitting a flag right that's still he's he's not i mean the the princess doesn't need to be rescued which is good that's that's actually a good positive They, they took that out um, and she was just as much as a cool character as he was throughout the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so mo- moving off of that, uh, Mario, I still give it a mid rating. I don't know. Uh, I got to watch. I got to see uh, <laughs> while we while the movie started up. I uh, set walked over to your vehicle at the drive in and and uh, was watching you play your new little thing. You want to talk about your new little thing that you got? Sure. Um. So I, how did this work? Uh, our buddy Trotsky bought one of these. And, and when Michael says new little thing, he's talking about <laughs> Sorry. A, a, ga- a, ga- a gaming device I bought called a MiU Mini Plus. I mean, it's very little. It is very little. Um, uh, our buddy Trotsky bought one of these, the, the version two, which is, it looks very similar, um, but is slightly smaller. There's some story about how they build these with like surplus parts from other things. And so they'll do a run and then they'll run out of those parts. And so they have to make one with different parts. And the one they have now is slightly larger. It's let's see. I could probably find actual dimensions. That would be better than I mean, it can't be more in like three by four or something like that. I know it fits literally the size it's, of your hand, right? Yeah. It's it's hand sizes may vary. I, so I have, which phone do I have? I have an iPhone 12 pro, I think. Um, it's slightly wider than my phone and about an inch, inch and a half shorter in from top to bottom height and probably a little over twice as thick at the thickest part where the battery is. Okay. Um, and they sell these in different styles with different kinds of transparent plastic, um, I bought the one that looks like the classic Game Boy, um, just because I think it's an iconic style, and I never had a Game Boy because I bought a Game Gear. I'm sure I've told that story before. It's my first ever experience with buyer's remorse. (laughs) Um, I guess that was the device I had between the NES and the PlayStation 1. Um, Anyway, these are uh, handheld game emulators. So they have uh, a specialized version of Linux installed on them. And then there's a whole, like, uh, um, community for each of the different... There are a couple of... I think there are two main manufacturers that make them in this form factor, the, like, vertical, like a Game Boy. And then there are a series of similar devices that are horizontal, like a Switch, or really closer to something like a PSP or a PlayStation Vita. Um, you know, they're smaller than a switch. Yeah. Um, and they somehow, I don't know quite how they do this and get away with it, but they sell these with this Linux operating system and probably a dozen of the major emulators. So the two, the two Atari systems, the arcade 
uh, MAME system, as they call it. Um, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance. Um, some of the Sega stuff, although I don't think mine came with most of the Sega emulators. It might have come with Game Gear and um, Sega CD or something. Up to the PlayStation 1. Because it doesn't have analog sticks, so it doesn't hmm. do anything like N64 or later. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger ones do. But what I really wanted was something that would fit in my pocket um, where I could try out some of these emulated games. Um, I saw our buddy Trotsky got one a couple months ago, maybe last year. And I was like, oh, that's cool, whatever. You know, sort of the same sentiment you expressed Friday night when you were driving. Like, the emulating, like, playing old games seems like a cool thing for, a, like, a week. Right. And then you get bored with it. So that might happen for me, but these, um, if you get them from like AliExpress or some site where they come more direct from the manufacturers, which of course they're all made in China, which might be how they can get away with <laughs> selling ROMs, oh, like maybe. including them with all these ROMs. Cause it, cause it has all the games. Like it had, it came with thousands of games. Um, and real games, not like the, thing you buy at walmart that has a bunch of knockoff games that they can legally sell right um but if you buy them direct they're like between 65 and 70 dollars um which is fairly cheap um i paid about 90 for mine because i bought it on amazon uh which is resold right like somebody is buying them and then reselling them on amazon so it's more expensive but you get prime shipping and amazon's uh, um, easy return process. Yep. Um, and then it had add-ons like it came with a card reader because uh, their micro SD card goes in it and a case and a screen protector. Um, so it was that combination of things where I was like, if I buy this here, I know that I should have it in like three or four days and I'll have a couple of extras. So I'll have a case for it and stuff and I don't have to try to find one of those. Um, and I'll link in the show notes to um, some YouTube videos that I watched before I bought it. Because I watched the Tetris movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've mm -hmm. seen that. No, nope, I have not. Um, it's a decent movie. I think you would probably like it. It's not bad. It's not amazing. It's somewhere in between. Like a six or seven. Um, and, you know, it's Tetris, right? So they talk about the Game Boy. Like Tetris and the Game Boy were... Um, uh, kind of went hand in hand back in the day yeah and i was like this might be fun to have this kind of thing because i did something similar to this oh somewhere around like 2017 maybe just six months ish before we started the podcast yeah um where i installed emulators on my phone which is a whole complicated thing you can't do like you can't there are no emulators on the app store yeah you have to like get this weird loophole thing that i was using to uh to cheat at pokemon go oh yeah yeah um mm -hmm. fake my location right um and it had emulators in that service the same service that had the pokemon go thing had emulators and i was like i should try this and i put a couple games on it and i played them and it's fine for a turn-based you know like a like a, an rpg or a pokemon game but then when I tried to play, like, Metroid, it didn't work because it's touchscreen controls, right? Like, mm -hmm, I, needed, mm -hmm. I would need real buttons. Um, and I tried some of the 
the controllers you get for your phone, but I didn't like those because they're big, yeah. right? My phone fits in my pocket. A controller that attaches to the sides of my phone does not fit in my pocket. Sure. Um, and so I ended up just not using it. Um, and I did, anyway, I did so that I same thing this. and, and, and I played it. I, I didn't mind that. Like I didn't have that. I, I I'm calling it in a kind way, hang up about the other, the big controller. Cause I would carry it around with me, but Oh, you have a, a backbone. Yeah, I have a backbone. So, so I, I remember I, I did the emulator thing at the same time when we I had the Pokemon go thing. And since this resurgence we've had with our, our friend group here, uh, I remind I'm reminded about it. Like I did play it for a hot minute, but I still I still had that burnout. You know, I, I played Street Fighter, I played Final Fantasy One and stuff, and then I was like, okay, I'm not going to invest 100 hours in this like randomly <laughs> generated <laughs> combat type stuff. Um, sure, things, but it, it's fun. It's fun for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I got it on Thursday, and then I had kind of a busy weekend. I took it to the theater, yeah. and I played some later version of Super Mario Brothers. That was right. It was the original game, but like with a map. So like you go through the levels. It was one of those things that they did right when the Super Nintendo came out. Nintendo sold a cartridge with like one and three or something both on it. Sure, and it was remastered. Right, it had sixteen bit sound and right. layered backdrops and stuff right. and they kept doing that right with later later systems and it was just original mario and i learned pretty quickly how bad i am at platformers <laughs> regardless of the of the control and having real physical buttons sure. but i really just wanted to get a picture because we were outside watching mario movie i wanted to get a picture of like me playing mario while right. we were watching mario i think you did the same thing with your switch right um and I took it camping and played it a little bit there. What I've what I've been playing, um, I have Pokemon Fire Red, which I've never played a real Pokemon except for mm. this. I did the same, played the same one, and I'm like, okay, I'll try this again. Um, I don't know if I'll stick to the Pokemon games. The old ones are very grindy, right? Um, right. Where like you can't walk and you keep getting these random fights. Oh, um, the thing that improves. Right. Yeah, the thing that, that emulation has a huge leg up on, you know, just like going on eBay and buying an old Game Boy Advance and a and, the, and a couple of cartridges, is that an emulator has extra stuff that it wouldn't have, like it has save states, right? Yes, I can push absolutely. a combination of, of, but, of buttons on the, on the Miu Mini and it'll save my state. And so if I yeah, screw something up, I hit a different button, it jumps me back. That's, that's huge. Um, it also has fast forward, right? Where it'll run at double speed. Yeah. So when I'm walking slow or waiting for all of the animations in an old, you know, classic Pokemon game. That you can't skip. All right. All that you can't skip. It all runs faster, um, yeah. which makes it a little more tolerable. And what I've been playing more over the weekend or I guess Saturday and a, and a little bit today is uh, the original Fire Emblem, mm -hmm. which is another game I found out about through a mobile game when we all played Fire Emblem Heroes. Yep. Uh, I think that was our game after people started to burn out on Pokemon Go. I forget yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's around, around that time. Um, and I played... This is a game I played on my phone when I did the phone emulation before, so I vaguely remember the story. Um, but it's a, you know, top-down tactics 
turn-based thing. It's another one of those things where the reflexes of hitting the buttons and stuff um, doesn't matter. All right. You've got like how many? How many? How many ROMs came with that thing? So many, right? It came with a ton, and like there are a bunch of games I've never heard of and systems I don't know. I'm not going to play thousands of games. Oh I'm no, gonna, no, yeah, you yeah. know. I'm going to play a handful of these again because I didn't have those systems. I don't have nostalgia really for any of those games. Right. I tried some over the years because I've done this a couple times with different. Like I bought a um, original Xbox, which is yeah. just a computer, and it was fairly easy to hack those um, and installed emulators on it and tried like Earthworm Jim and no, terrible game. Um, ratchet and clank or some of those things and i'm like yeah this is not um if you get too new it's it's a weird sort of thing like you get to a game that's too new um and the the cracks really start to show like uh, oh i like nintendo 64 era yes um uh uh, zeldas i was was gonna say like the the playstation one era is kind of where where they start getting into 3d polygons Mm -hmm. and and i Mm -hmm. i just can't i can't play into those i i was um going fishing around on the playstation store this last weekend and they've got a classic collection you can go back and play like every game forever um and they had like star wars bounty hunter from playstation one era and stuff and jack and daxter and and i just watched the little videos of them i was like oh man this looks so terrible and i remember it's so hard to control 3d they they hadn't even came <laughs> close to figuring out camera controls and how it's supposed to work and it, it's just so bad and and we love you know we, we look back at that area as like oh it's so great it's no it was so bad you don't hear people playing you know clamoring to go back to nintendo 64 days and and replay perfect dark because they will and then they'll be like oh no it's 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 really bad um yeah I will say um, when we talk about like games that we played like for you as Street Fighter, mm-hmm. um, I never really played Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but on the PlayStation One we had a game called Battle Arena Toshinden. Oh yeah, yeah. I I was getting ready to say that word. I wasn't sure if you you you'd know what it was. So so that was because we bought we bought the PlayStation because I have a lot of siblings. Yeah. Right. So it was always it always baffled me when I'd go we'd be at sam's club or something and i'd see the new console and it only had one controller i'm like what do you what what are we gonna do with one controller (laughs) right (laughs) like it was baffling to me but um because we the nes was a gift from like some of my dad's co-workers when they heard his kids didn't have a nintendo Mm -hmm. they bought us one and it was like a big combo set with two controllers and a gun i don't know if that was the normal the, the light gun. I mean, not a yeah. real gun. Um, <laughs> and, and a, a I revolver. I don't know if that's a normal way the Nintendo, and the NES was sold, or if that was a special bundle, but that was my experience. It, isn't that and, funny, now that we look back at it, that a game system came with a gun? Right. Couldn't do that right, now. The, the light gun. Um, yeah, you have to get peripherals, like a big, uh, a big rifle shotgun for your uh, real tree hunting game <laughs> a big game hunter uh, right. uh that that the we snap the we we remote snaps into, snaps into um but we bought the playstation one used like from 
some friends we knew. So it had a bunch of games and two controllers. Um, and it had this fighting game. And so we played it. And then at some point, I'm sure I didn't buy it new. Maybe I bought it at a GameStop or something. I bought three. So I never played Toshinden 2, but we had one and three. Um, and I think two was flat like Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter and then 3 was full 3D like some of the maps were cages and some of them were platforms where you could throw the person off I think um and I played a ton of that when I was a teenager like young teenager where like you play through the story as one character and then you unlock like the alter ego version of that character so you unlock all the all the characters like I definitely did that <laughs> um and the stock OS and card with all the Brahms had PlayStation stuff. And so I found that game and fired it up. I didn't play it, but I fired it up and watched the opening cinematic. Yeah. And it's bad, right? Like the 3D polygons are bad. The music is, I mean, you could play CDs in an original PlayStation. So it's not bad, but the, the Miu Mini doesn't have a very good speaker in it. Sure. Um, and so it's kind of distorted. There's a lot of synthy stuff, but it does this guitar stuff. It does this very like actiony anime kind of kind of intro, like nineties nineties anime um, music in the intro. Yeah. And I remember that because I watched it many times, and it was that feeling that I'm sure a lot of people get when they fire up, you know, some Game Boy Advance or Sega Genesis game, and they're like, "Oh man, this takes me back." It takes me back. Um, yeah. That's that's how it was for me. Not enough that I want to play it on this. <laughs> you just wanted to see it for a second. Ga- right. Game Boy sized device. Like I'm not going to play a fighting game by myself uh, on right. this on this little handheld. Um, but I wanted to watch that intro, and I'm like, oh wow. There's there's definitely been times where like I'm reading a book or I'm watching a kind of movie, and I'm like, man, I'm waiting for the guitar to come in, like the riff in this in the intro to Toshinden Three. <laughs> Oh man! I'm like I don't, I don't know if I knew that that's where this comes from. That's where that that early formative memory uh, is for me. I I had uh, Battle Rain to Shinden. I, I never owned that one. It was a funny little story. The I was always into big fighting games. Like almost all of them that came out, I, I loved them, consumed them in the arcade or anywhere I could. But I did, I just could not get into Virtua Fighter, which was one of the first okay. ones that was like 3D polygons right um and i was like yeah this just is blocky mess i don't know why people i loved graphics and they kept getting better and better and then they give us this garbage um and that that was my thought at the time right um i understand tech and we've all yeah okay but i I was not into it (laughs) and then the playstation launched and at the time for the short window of time i was holding out for the nintendo 64 uh, it was at that time right. was going to be called the Ultra sixty four, and that was a big, that was a big like console war of yes. that era was between the Sony and the and the Nintendo. Right, and I and I was I was holding out. Sega for the was already out of the game. Microsoft wasn't in yet. No, Microsoft wasn't in yet. Dr- Sega was in because it was the Dreamcast, and and uh, it it launched the PlayStation launched well, a long time before it felt like at least in young me terms. Um, before Nintendo was even going to going to debut, and my my buddies, uh, a friend of the show Bill was one of them, all got PlayStation ones, and they were just like invested, They're like we're we're doing it, we're buying this new console system, and Battle Rain to Shinden was a launch title, um, mm. and, and they played it, and sure enough, it's like 
polygon 3D graphics. And I'm like, I hate this kind of stuff. Uh, but they loved it. Like, just play. were playing it as much as they possibly could. Um, and I was like, okay, I just got to get over it and move into the into the next era and, and start learning with these guys. I was still going to hold out for the, the Nintendo, but I'll, I'll try to play with them. That game decided to take the Street Fighter idea of, like, you know, down for fireball motion and dragon punch motion and, like, hyper, hyper, hyper it. Because, oh, yeah. because the attacks were, like... Not just down, forward, and a button. It was like down, forward, up, left, back, back, forward, B-A-A-A-C-C, and then you do a fireball. And you're like, what? Yep. What? And Yeah, it had, it, had, it had stuff like that. So it had the, I don't know if it was first, but it's the only game I owned. I played a couple of the Dead or Alives. Hmm. But uh, Toshinden was the first one I remember having like a practice mode yeah you'd go in and it had a dummy opponent and it would show you your moves on the screen so you could practice and like some of them i could do but it also had a feature where you could assign special moves to the shoulder buttons yep because the because oh right yeah right yeah one had had four shoulder i remember that and the 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 miu mini has them too they're sort of they're on the back and they're like the twos are a little bit taller than the ones the l2 R2. Um, so you can you can easily get at them and they sort of um, create a, a, a like a ledge that you can grip to hold on to the console. Um, but yeah, I remember that too. And it wasn't as good, right, as doing the doing the combo yourself. Yeah. I don't really remember why. It I don't know. I mean you were still only limited to either two or four that you could assign up there, so it still yeah. limited you to those specials and the others you had to memorize. Um, but yeah, it was, some of them were just a crazy amount of crazy amount of Konami code. uh, (laughs) And, and, and my buddies who were also hardcore fighting guys, like they memorized that stuff. And I was like, okay, I give them credit. Uh, Another thing about that. I'm kind of knocking on this game, but I shouldn't because it actually is for the time you compare it against like a virtual fighter it's really nice it's got very colorful characters and a lot more polygons than what say say the original virtual fighter was um so so i want to give that props but it also because it was early early days and, and they didn't know how to do 3d stuff is that moves had 3d several moves had 3d components to it so like you could like mm-hmm. uh do a sweep where he would slide to the side and then and then hit him from the side um or rolling in and out of the camera and then you just had people like not on the same plane half the time, rolling around, sliding, missing. You couldn't because it was still trying to be a side-scrolling 2D platformer, but adding tons of 3D stuff into it without control. Um, so yeah. I just saw my buddies throwing side fireballs that went off into nowhere, and everybody else was, you know, doing other side slides. And like, what? What? This is not. Now I have the benefit of. You know, looking back and seeing that this were these were innovative ideas and needed to happen uh, to evolve the genre, but it took another decade or so to, to work it all out. Man, we, I don't know how we got on battling it to Shinden after this this whole conversation. We're talking about old games, right? <laughs> oh, old games. 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 So yeah, I, I got to, I did get to play your your me me you is that what it's called? Yeah, it almost feels like a, a little even Nintendo rip off of that name. Um, me we. Uh, we, it's, we, it's you. M, M, M-I-Y-O-O. Yeah, me, you, we, you. Me, you. Uh, yeah. So, 
I got to play a little for a minute, and I really liked it. I liked that it sits in your hand really nice. It has the look almost like of a, a Game Boy. Um, it had so many cool games on it. I would definitely play it. I, I I just played it for five minutes, and it made me like, oh, this is the one. I could buy one of these, pay $100 for it, and have everything I want to have for old games. Yeah, the price point really made the difference for me. Like, I'm like, oh, well, for 50 70 ish bucks like that's not bad and you got all those games i right i it's one of those buy it now because they're gonna they're gonna you know somebody's gonna find out and have some legal battles with it but yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of the games on it are are a lot of the roms as they say are are not very good but of course there are places on the internet where you can get roms yeah you, you can still get that stuff um, but yeah, I, I would also put my my finger thumbs up to it because it seemed really really cool, um, and, and especially because people can't, not everybody can go out and figure out how to hack their iPhone to to put ROMs right. on and and don't want to yeah. sit at a PC. So having a little Game Boy that plays everything from forever for that, heck yeah, that's very very well worth it. Uh, so good, good purchase, Dennis, and, I, and it makes me makes me want to spend money. I gotta resist but i want to do it well we'll check in in six months and see if it's you know in a drawer somewhere collect i I don't actually have drawers in my camper but (laughs) it's in a in a plastic bin somewhere collecting dust well the the thing about like retro games is that you do only want to play it like once a year but when you play it you feel good about playing it that once a year and there's nothing like unlike the phone solution like it's not going anywhere yeah you just like you said put it in a drawer right and it's pull, not pull like, you know, if, if if I come back to it in a year, I'm like, oh, I'm not subscribed to that service that lets me put emulators on my phone or I've yes. got a new phone and I would have to figure out like how to install uh, all of that stuff again. Yeah. Um, I'm going through that trying like to, it, I, I really want to play the, at Galloping Ghost, we played Super Puzzle Fighter 2 and I, I really yeah. want to do it, but like. I just started the whole, oh, I got to get this emulator. Then I got to find the right ROM. Then I got to see if it's updated. I don't know. If, how do I set my, yeah, it's nightmare, nightmare stuff. Yeah. Uh, moving on to movies, but still on the game thing. You mentioned Tetris earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sell this to me. Cause I am not interested in this show in the least <laughs> bit. Cause one Tetris <laughs> is, just a block game like the game itself doesn't seem fun so i know it's not about the game it's about like everything around the game but what it's got like an 80s look or something like to it yeah well it's the it's the story of the guy who discovered tetris okay right and it and it sort of assumes that at the time with whatever else was being made at the time that it was not revolutionary but in a way, it was like, it, you know, people saw it and were like, this is great. You know, it was the solitaire of its time. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it was it was developed by a Russian programmer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's and it's the 80s. It's before the wall came down. Um, but it's like the dying days. Right. Like the Soviet Union is is very close to falling and, and people, certain people know that, right. They can, they can sense it like, you know, whatever precipitates that, like it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and so it's not like the reason that I say that it's okay 
and not great is that there's not there's not a lot of big action like they add action into the movie that I think is probably hyped up compared to the actual history. Yeah. Um but it's really the story of how this guy gets the rights to license Tetris in Japan because he's living in Japan mm-hmm. and the guy the company it's like a British company has the rights uh, and there are different rights for different platforms right there's computer there's game console and there are arcades wait i uh, i i already just fell asleep what would you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean right right all That's, this does not sound like an entertaining like oh it's about rights and copyrights and going to countries to talk about business deals for right like that does not that's that's sort of the part of it where it's where it's just okay. Like it's a good, to me, it's a good background watch with a few. I mean, because I kind of background watched it mm-hmm. um, with a few moments of, like you know, oh something, you know, something action packed is happening um, right here because there's a lot of, um, you know, sort of cheating where people think that somebody has the rights but somebody really doesn't but there's you know the way the contract was written etc cetera, etc cetera. um a movie for lawyers by lawyers a, a little bit a little <laughs> bit um so now those, i know those patent office guys that are like man we could make a movie out of this and and he keeps the main guy keeps going back and forth to russia even though he's not like he goes there under a tourist visa. So he's not supposed to be conducting business and mm. he's worried about getting picked up by the KGB. Um, I know that our buddy Fox said the pinball movie is better. I've not seen that one yet. Okay. Um, but it's uh, yeah, the Tetris it's, it's not a rush out and see, but it's another one of those. I think like if you're bored on a Saturday, um, yeah, it's fine. Is 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 the I'm guessing the selling point is that it's got good acting and writing, maybe. Because oftentimes you can have a terrible subject matter and then you get great actors and then good writing. Yeah, I like, think. Oh man, it makes it. I think the acting was decent. Um, you know, mostly mostly pretty good. Not a lot of big um, names, but maybe a couple people that you've seen before. Hmm. Um, and. The writing, I think, was trying to take a not super interesting story, not super exciting story, and make it movie worthy. So it's a it's a little bit amped up, yeah. um, but not bad, right? Right. Uh, we're already an hour into this. We gotta got talk about our movie before we we go down rabbit holes. So let's 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 talk about our this week's movie of the Rain Man. All right, this week we watched Rain Man. Definitely from 1988. The Rain Man, starring Tom Cruise, of course, starring Dustin Hoffman, who was amazing. Judge Wapner comes on at four. Comes on at four. That. If there's anything to say about this this show, it's man, he was he researched this part, right? Like yeah. Back back then, this is definitely um uh, a thing that people had no clue about or could understand. Um and it it's funny, w- thing there are things like um what what am I thinking of here? This what's um 
autism. And autism, autism has yeah. around, been around forever, right? It's not like it's a new yeah. thing that just got discovered. It's been around for probably a million years or whatever, right? People have had autism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just in the 80s, are we starting to have some kind of awareness of what this is? Although people in our society are, you know, live it all the time and we just didn't understand it. Um, so Hoffman coming out and giving the performance he did to help people understand that is just, I just was in, in awe of him, this whole, this whole show, I thought. Yeah. I mean, he, he won an Oscar for this, which, um, it, it amused me because he also won an Oscar for Kramer versus Kramer, which we watched a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It's like, how did we end up watching both of Hoffman's, uh, uh, Oscar movies? Yeah. Right. Un- unknowingly, you know, unplanned. I think I think he's one of those guys that might be lost to time as well, um, eventually. But mm. he's got he he's done, he did some good work. He he really did. Yeah. Um, yeah. For for like a very non-assuming guy, it's not like he's the most handsomest actor in the world. Um, he just he just did, get, got good parts and did did good work. Um, yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise is generally a, a seen as a pretty good actor too, and he's not bad in this. But like next to Hoffman's performance, he seems shallow. I think sure yeah, his character yeah. is shallow, but yeah, yeah. So, uh, have you seen this before? I can't remember. I watched it a long time ago, okay. so I remembered some of the high points, but none okay. of the details. Yeah, right as as we often say. Um, I watched this with my family. Um. I found most of the movie incredibly stressful. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, because of him. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, that's that's right. I bo- mean, both of them. Um, there is a moment later when they're talking to the doctors, um, where the doctor and Tom Cruise keep interrupting each other, keep talking over each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That reminds me of one of the, at least one, and this probably happens in almost all of them, but it reminds me of one of the Mission Impossible sequels. Where he's been captured by somebody, I don't remember if he's a villain or not, and he keeps trying to talk to the guy. He does that that thing that he does where he's very insistent, he's getting emotionally agitated, and the other guy is too, and they're talking over each other. Yeah. And that's that situation makes me uncomfortable. Right? <laughs> sure. I'm not I'm not talking about watching them like get emotionally agitated and, and argue and talk over each other is just is just stressful to but watch and that that sounds like they did a good job then that's like probably what they wanted right, to happen right yeah right exactly exactly i don't mean it in a bad way it's just yeah. like his character is very demand uh, uh tom cruise here I'm yeah, talking yes about. right um his character is very demanding and unreasonable from the beginning yes and right. and as we follow his journey he um sort of gains a better understanding of his brother over time. Yeah. But he never, he, you know, he doesn't really change. Like he changes in that way, but he never stops being a kind of unreasonable person. Yeah, I agree. Agreed. Um, yeah. Th- th- this, yeah. this show doesn't have character development in that standpoint. Right. It, that, people will say, Oh, Tom Cruise's character did. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that it, he changed drastically. He, he understood I mean, he, more, but yeah, he understands more. He stops. Um, I don't know. Do we want to do spoilers if we're going to talk about specifics of? Sure, I guess we can. Yeah, 
Um, okay, I'm going to hit the bell here. We're going to talk about Rain Man. Um, if you've not seen it and don't want to get spoiled on some of the details and, and character arcs, then skip ahead. Um, I think that Tom Cruise's character transitions from, um, you know, almost thinking that Raymond is faking it. Yeah. Not faking uh-huh. it. He, he never says that, but he thinks that, that he could be fixed. Yeah. Right. That he can, that but he's he can doing stop. it on purpose. A lot of times he says that like, he, I know you're doing it on purpose there. that yeah. he can, that he can stop and, and, and be normal. Right. Right. I don't think he says normal. He is, he says some, some now, you know, oh, he says m- in, multiple, re- uh, uh, bad words <laughs> that we use yeah, now, right? W- w- words that we don't use anymore. Yeah. Um, and so his character growth is he, is he stops doing that. Um, but most of the scenes before, before she leaves the scene with his, the scenes with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, I, it's one of those where like you watch a, a romance story and don't understand how the characters in love, like the, the, the movie tells you you're in, they're in love, but you don't, yeah. they're not actually, yeah. you can tell it's not believable. <laughs> The, the the movie tells you they're in love, but the movie hasn't shown you they're in love. Right. Um, and I didn't understand why this woman was with Tom Cruise's character. Um, sure. They 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 seem very different. They seem to just agitate each other. And I don't, you know, there's nothing like his life is not so successful that that justifies it. Yeah, I, f- like, I felt they were they were like at the end of their relationship when we started the movie. Like how how did they get together at all and why are they still together? And of oh, that's easy. Leaves, They're both so... incredibly attractive and that's it. <laughs> I I guess. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um and he 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 is Yeah. He, he I think he did his his job well. I think he he performed Tom Cruise did his role, what you're supposed to, because I think the whole time I also felt stressed because we all know, uh, we don't maybe know personally somebody like this, but we know of this kind of personality type that Tom Cruise plays. Yes. And we've seen it many times in multiple movies, different portrayals. And um, that does, that clashes a million percent with uh, someone with the autism spectrum that, that he has, Dustin Hoffman has uh, Raymond. So yeah. to putting those together is just monumentally stressful all around. Um, and I, I almost, this is going to sound terrible, but I almost felt like I was empathizing with Tom Cruise's character uh, that like, man, this guy's got some patience. I said that like multiple times to myself, like he's got some crazy patience. Not that he actually has a lot of patience. He has a lot of patience for him. Like this is the kind of character that doesn't, compact with any any patients right those kind of salesmen on you know go 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 ram things down your throat people don't have patience that's their defining no. characteristic right. um, and here he is forced to in every scene that he can't take a plane that he can't you know he can't drive in the rain uh and it just he's just constantly angry and even one time he pulls over the car and just yells right screaming mm-hmm. um and but there but there are also so many times where Tom Cruise is like that character is is showing restraint when he goes to the farmhouse and he's getting ready to blow up and he he has to convince this lady to let him see Judge Wapner um, and and he's he's doing it in kind of a calm quick salesman's voice um, while 
like he's on the edge of a knife that everything's going to explode in any second. Um, right. And, and that caused a lot of stress for me as well. Watching that kind of stuff all the way through, which is kind of the point, right? That this is not something that you can just deal with. It's not a thing. Right. You know, I, um, so when I, when I told my family that this was because I'm still in Bedford, my parents and my youngest sister and brother are here and, you know, mom will ask me like, what's your, what's your movie? Right. And so uh, most of the time it's like, oh, we're going to watch Kramer versus Kramer or we're going to watch an anime movie. And they're like, okay, have fun. Yeah. Um, And they're like, oh, Rain Man, I love that movie. Yeah. And of course they haven't seen it in years. Yep. Mm -hmm. And watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is not one of their other favorite movies like Rainmaker or While You Were Sleeping or Mm -hmm. Shawshank Redemption. Um, This is not a rewatch movie because it's not. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. Yeah. And it's not Correct. supposed to be. Correct. Um, yeah. Right. I don't I don't mean those things in a bad way. Like it's very um it's very intentional in in what it's trying to do. Hmm. Um and it's and it's achieved what, only by Dustin Hoffman. Like if you put someone who didn't quite get the autism that he's supposed to have, it wouldn't do the same tension, I don't think. Well, and I think um or empathy. You'd have enough not same empathy. Yeah, I think I think Tom Cruise gets his message across, but I think I do also think that you know probably anybody could have done not anybody, but um, like let's see, will this show me all? Yeah, um, uh, you know Dustin Hoffman won an Oscar. Tom Cruise was not nominated. Yeah, right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, you could have replaced Tom Cruise in this for sure. Yeah, but but Dustin Hoffman he did he didn't do a bad job, but no, obviously yeah. Hoffman is carrying this film. Yeah, for for sure. And and Cruise played the role he was supposed to play, and he played it well. But it was like you said, there's so many other people. Or I said earlier, is that there's so many people that had played this role before. We're just putting these two, and I think that's the key part of this this whole movie is putting two polar opposite people together and forcing them to do a road trip across the country. That's that's kind of what this is. Um, yeah. And, and not just polar opposite. They're not just that they can come and meet in the middle in the end. One is never going to change. Right. Yeah. And, and one is forced to change to survive the trip, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's another part of Hoffman's portrayal, and I'm sure the right script writing and directing and everything, the whole team, um, is this glimpse of the somebody behind the, the wall in his mind. Right. Mm. And, and, and I know parents of autism have this all the time and that, that they can't explain to people because everyone just sees them doing weird things and, and talking weird and moving weird and doing stuff that they don't think is normal. Um, and then right. the parents or, you know, family members will see these people behind the mask occasionally um, and have that realization that, that this is a, a whole person here living in a different kind of world reality than what we have. Um, and that doesn't make them any less than anybody. I'm, I'm not going on a, on a, a rant about um, autism, but this was a show that helped show that to the world, myself included. Um, yeah. Because you, know. you see, you see glimpses of that when he, when he remembers that, that his brother called him rain man. 
Yeah. Right? That's the title, the title of the movie. Um, one of the things I noticed rewatching it, um, because again, I already knew kind of the broad strokes is that Tom Cruise has like maybe 10% of Ray's mannerisms. Okay. Right. Like he will sometimes repeat himself. He says definitely kind of a lot. Oh, um, that's true. I guess I didn't realize He that. sometimes will have a kind of like stilted, repetitive, um, like false start thing when he's talking. Um, and I wasn't sure, like at the beginning of the movie, I was like, hmm, I wonder if that's, they're trying to, and you know, one, no, in 1988, if they would do this, but this idea of like, Ray is high functioning, but he's very, um, I don't even know if we would call him high functioning now, um, for the amount of care that he needs. Um, but he can still communicate and, you know, some of those things yeah. where, where Tom Cruise's character almost seems, and I don't know, I could be completely talking out of my ass here, but almost seems like, you know, is, has just, has just a hint. Like if you could call somebody 10% on the spectrum, I don't know if that's a thing. Sure. Um, with, you know, some like with them being brothers, right. With being right. like a genetic, uh, similarity or, so I don't know if they were trying to say that or, if they were trying to, you know, for the age gap between the characters, like how long, um, like he was learning to talk, right? Because he called him Rain Man. He could talk, yeah. uh, Tom Cruise's character when he went to the facility, the hospital. Yeah. Um, and so like whether some of that, you know, um, some of that influence in his very early childhood development influenced that or, or, you know, created that in Tom Cruise's character. Maybe. Yeah. I can't, I remember his name. Um, yeah. I, don't, I can't think of his name, the main character's name either, either, but uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Babbitt, Charlie, Charlie Babbitt. Right. Charlie. How do I Charlie know? Babbitt. He says Charlie Babbitt lots. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, this, the story. So the story is the, the autism, that's, I mean, that's the story. That's what they're telling us. Mm -hmm. That's what this movie is about. But yeah. the the extra story, the flowers around it, is the uh, the traveling, right? The things that he has to go through, the the airport scene, um, the um, I mentioned the farm, going to the farm, um, mm -hmm. Vegas, counting cards and such. Um, right. And, and when it when it all comes back, it almost makes you kind of sad when the doctor asks him about what he did this last week, and it all sounds terrible. Right. Right. And, and you're like, oh, that was all great breakthroughs and, and good stuff. But, you know, it's not. Um, well, yeah, that's yeah. intentional, too. Right. Exactly. You're supposed to be you're supposed to sympathize with uh, Charlie, with Tom Cruise when he gets agitated because, you know, the just hearing hearing it in the worst way. Yeah. Um, but but. The, the doctors aren't wrong. Like in, in, through the entire movie, the doctors aren't wrong. And like a lot of these back in the eighties, when you show somebody with mental disabilities, a lot of times it was like, or before then it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest, right? We can't, we don't understand. Mm -hmm. We can't control it. Put them all in a big group home and they just are like a crazy house. So we, we used to call them. I'm sorry for using that term, but that's what we called them in the seventies and eighties is crazy house. Right. And that's, 
and that's house or or nut house nut house right even worse than it's all worse and but that's that's literally because of our misunderstandings and this show is helping us understand that and also showing that there are a lot of facilities out there that do aren't like one flew over the cuckoo's nest with nurse ratchet They, they are like genuinely wanting to help these people and understand them and they realize that you know yes having a breakthrough with your relationship at Vegas is fun and interesting and it's good for experiencing, but it's not good for him because he doesn't live in that same reality where that's, that's a healthy choice. Right. Uh, you know, all, and, and someone, other people trying to force their air quotes, healthy choices and uh, character progression in life on autistic people is an unhealthy thing for them. Um, right. And, and that's good that this, sh- this movie ends with, not the that he gets all better and is, can live with his brother, you know. Um, right. It, it, it helps teach us that he needs help, especially at his level where he's at. Um, right. Right. So, yeah. That was a, that was a thought I had at some point in the movie. I'm like, there are people working in that hospital, or I don't know if they call it a hospital, but the facility where he sort of abducts him. Um, there are people working there every day who care for people with this level of, of functionality. That doesn't sound like the right word. Um, every day, right. With, with the, with just, a like a level of patience that I struggle to comprehend. Oh yes. I'm with you. Right. (laughs) Right. Like Vern, for Um, example, right. Knows he likes his books, what he does and where he needs to be there. And Vern is patient with him and, Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I can't say anything. I guess in final closing with this one, except that it's a phenomenal movie. It's really, really great. Um, and because of Dustin Hoffman, um, just giving us a window into this, into this. Um, and yeah. if you, I, I would recommend it to. Well, number one, I'd recommend it to anybody who doesn't understand autism or doesn't, or just heard the word or kind of knew somebody a little bit. Watch this show. You'll learn. I think you will genuinely learn a lot. And enough to get you started on the road to like understanding, like because you're the you're the everyman of Tom Cruise, right? You're the point, the focal, the right. was it the perspective right. character um, to say like, oh, I may not be like Tom Cruise, but I also don't know how I would handle somebody freaking out at going on a plane or the fire alarm like that, and you know, and it's scary when they do that. You're like, I don't know what I would do. So I think it's I would recommend it for anyone who 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 just wants to know more. And then I would also just recommend it to anybody, anyone who's an adult with an adult mind. Um, <laughs> I don't mean like, you know, right, that's a weird way to say it. I know what you a mean. A grown up, yeah. right? You know, it's not like a kid fun, fun movie. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You know, there, there's not a lot of, it's not depressing in any way, but it's not like joy and happy. There's no comedy and laughs really in it. Um, no. So, uh, but I, yeah, to, to watch this movie, sit down. And, and enjoy it for the performances and the performances are all the way through Tom Cruise is by himself not for like 10 minutes of the movie I think they, they introduced right. Raymond pretty quick yeah yeah thumbs up hey we didn't talk about yeah. this oh, wait, what, do you, what, did you, what do you think on final thoughts there um, yeah I agree I I sort of assumed for being a you know whatever this is 35 year old movie that it would be dated and it definitely is um one of my one of my thoughts in the earlier uh earlier in the movie was 
Man, cars in the 80s were ugly. <laughs> it was real ugly. I loved the Lamborghinis they had, one. but every other one was terrible. Even those Lamborghinis, I was like, man, those are some 80s AF <laughs> Definitely 80s, right, yeah. Um, His car, and, he drives away on like whatever he's driving in. Like mm-hmm. He drives like a madman, by the way, through the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm like, oh, he's, he's he is not an excellent driver. No, he is. He all right. He's selling Lamborghinis and he's driving this piece of crap car. And I don't know if it's a piece yeah. of crap car in the '80s. He just looked terrible. No, I I assume that car was like a really nice BMW or something. <laughs> it just it looks crappy because all cars looked crappy in '88. So bad. Um, and you know, I assume that there's you know the the way that autism is portrayed and presented like by the doctors um is is dated um oh sure yeah you know, you know com- compared to now and and We've there is language a lot more since then right that's what i mean and there's yeah. you know language and words that that tom cruise uses but the the emotion of a you know mostly neurotypical person um sort of sort of trapped on this road trip with a person on the spectrum i think holds true right 35 years ago to to now i mean yeah again there 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 are probably things that we've learned in the last 35 years that would change some details of this portrayal and right it's um it's a little problematic to associate autism with some kind of um what some people call superpower Right, like oh, his, he called his, it like a, what's your? Do you have a his, power? His, or, yeah, his counting and his Ability. and his numbers thing is a. I think gives people the wrong impression. Um, sure, in in real life, but otherwise, like the character story, the emotions, the the um sort of personal journey that Tom Cruise goes through over this story, it's it's frustrating to watch, but it's it's gratifying to get to the end. Um, and see him adjust his biases. Yeah, right. You you know, you can also further carry this further if you're interested in this, this story, people watching this and saying like, or not this story, but like autism and what it's like to actually live and interact with people that, that are on the, the far end of, of, of a, because it's a spectrum for a reason. There's all sorts of uh, levels of this. But um, yeah. there are there are many people, like families on TikTok, uh, or, or social media that you can go and share their lives and their experiences. And, um, you know, I, I know one that I, that I follow often and, and uh, she's a, a girl that's on aut- the autism spectrum in her family and they do TikToks all the time. And, and mm. they are often talking about, you know, how do they deal with us today? And what, you know, we're, we're going to go to lunch today and what do, what do we need to do? And it's the, the whole family's, how do they process their day and how does she process her day? And it's very, it's very educational. It's one of the good things about social media we can have today about learning how different people interact. And then it makes us better to interact, hopefully, uh, in the future if we come across that in our own lives. Unlike um, Charlie Babbitt does not do a good job of it at all. <laughs> um, right, right. Right. Oh, wait. We, we didn't talk about this early off the air, but uh, it's your week, man. What do you got for me? Oh, it's it's my week. I'm sitting here like, oh, I wonder what he's going to pick. And I knew this was your movie. I wonder. It's, um, I picked the Rain Man when I on this one. All right. This is 295, so we're not quite, um, we're not quite to 300. 
uh, that's right, to, to, to our, our prearranged think, 300 that we're going to do. Yeah. I think we're going to watch 300 when we're at episode 300. <laughs> you, you think? Yeah, right. um, <laughs> what have I got here? Um, have you seen the movie Fletch? Uh, no, but it's got uh, Chevy Chase. one of those 80s funny men in it. Chevy Chase in it, yeah. Uh, no, but I've heard a lot so, about it. I think I've seen highlights of Fletch. Yeah, so I'm I'm not gonna pick that one. That's a that's a optional <laughs> add on. That's an easy if, one. Okay, if, all right. If if you watch if you watch the sequel remake um, and feel okay. interested, compelled to watch the original, or if you want to watch the original first, you f- feel free to do that. I know you do that sometimes when we're like, we're gonna I watch do, the do, theatrical yeah. Lord of the Rings, and you watch the extended editions anyway. Um, right. Uh, this is a remake sequel called Confess Fletch starring John Hamm and Wait, a few remake other people. sequel th- okay I think I got it and it's yeah it's recent it, you said John Hamm's in it yeah it's like t- last year or 2019 it's in the last couple of years um, no kidding okay all right on Netflix how, how do I not know this okay all right cool I think it just went straight to Netflix didn't get marketed um very heavily okay i'm I'm in i'm down for it no i'm looking at our list here and i see that you've added space camp and that made me a little excited to our list someday yeah somebody on discord somewhere mentioned space camp and i was like oh the movie space camp the jinx jinx yeah goes to space joaquin phoenix is a kid yeah yeah uh crazy Okay. Okay. So, uh, confess, Fletch. Yes. Weird name. Because they they think he did it, and they want him to confess, but he didn't do okay. it. Okay. Uh-uh. Are they still trying to make yeah. Fletch happen? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode two hundred and ninety-five. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out. Our buddy Fox has a. I think he has a review of Mario now, uh, if you want his take on it. Um, if you want to reach out to us with your favorite 80s movies um, or your favorite video game movies, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. On our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you will find contact forms and show notes when relevant. Like I said, I, I'll try to remember to put some YouTube videos for the Mew Mini if handheld retro gaming seems like something you're interested in if you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice and while you're there if you would leave us a positive review we appreciate that it helps us out a lot as always thanks so much for joining us until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time <laughs> <laughs>